Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Timsa Leadership Podcast. My name is Eric Claus, and I have the honor to be able to be your host. I am grateful that you joined us for this part two episode with Jason Coger. Just to refresh your memory, over 10 years ago, Jason had a devastating injury and as a result, lost both of his arms. If you did not have a chance to check out the previous episode, it is episode number 11. Jason continues to take us on a journey about how his life is forever changed. Thank you for joining us. Jason, I don't know how we're going to get through this, but we will. We've always had faith. Um, it's going to be hard work. It's going to be, it's going to be ups and downs. But in order to save your life, they had to amputate both your arms. So your dad's telling you this, Jason. Like you don't know when your dad's telling you, "I can't." I'm going to pause for a second. I can't even imagine a father. You're a father. I'm a father. On telling your child that they don't have any arms. Your dad. An incredible man, but go ahead. I, I just wanted to pause because that, the gravity in what you just said is difficult yeah. for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, and it was super hard, I'm sure, because now that I have kids, obviously it's like, uh, you know, and, and my dad didn't want to have to do that. Obviously, I mean, you know, I remember him telling, I think he wanted to come in the room by himself, but then he was also, I cannot go in this room and tell him this by myself. Mm. Like, I need you to come with me, my mom. And, and you know, at the time, I think, you know, my dad is, is worried about, well, this is kind of t- even more if you think about it. So right before I got hurt, we built the largest gypsum plant in North America, drywall board, in Wheeling, West Virginia. It was a, a several million dollar project, and we had it done and we did it for BP. They did not want to pay us. So my dad was going through a lawsuit and was about to lose everything he had. House, equipment, everything paid for the bank had at the time of my accident. So not only was my dad going through, how am I going to tell my son he lost his hands, but he also is about to lose everything he's ever, ever worked hard for, ever. And at that moment, he told me, he said, I didn't care about my business. I didn't care about losing my house. I didn't care about nothing. I figured it would work itself out, and it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was solely focused on me, yeah. and, and that's it. So he comes in, he tells me that, and, and people ask me all the time, like, what went through my mind? And, and to be honest with you, I don't know what what went through my mind right there at that moment. I think, I think there was... You know, several things. I'm sure there was um, what's life going to look like. You know, I still got two daughters at home. I still have a wife. Like, trying to take it all in and, and the unknowns was probably more than, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure I was upset. I'm sure... I just had a lot of things going for me having kids too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I realized, and I've realized before I got hurt, when you have kids, you have somebody that depends on you. Mm-hmm. And that is your job uh, as a dad that life is not about you anymore. Yeah. 
yeah. what's about these uh, people, or in my case, these two little girls that that you decided you want to have these kids and you got them, and that's your responsibility now. Um, so anyway, I, I pretty much went right back to sleep. I'm sure I was on whatever kind of medicine, and um, I remember waking up the second time. I remember already being in my uh, in my room in the burn unit. And I don't know if this was the day that I woke up a day later or whatever, but I remember Dr. Guy coming in my room, meeting him for the first time and him sitting down next to me and, and basically telling me that, you know, Jason, life's going to be hard. Uh, you're going to be in this hospital for months and I want to do whatever I can do to help you be successful. And I want you to think about one goal that you have in your life. And I want to try to help you reach that goal. But I want you to make sure that it's realistic. And he said, before you get out of this hospital, I want to help you with that. And I remember him standing up and about to walk out the door and and me, you know, telling him like, hey, Dr. Guy, I know what I want. And him turning around and sitting down with me and here I am, 29 years old. And him sitting there with me and is like, how do you know what you want this quick? Like, you know, and I'm sure he might have somebody that is thinking, I want to be able to drive again. I want to be able to throw a baseball again or whatever it is. And he sits down with me and he says, what do you want to be able to do? And I told him, I said, you know, I have two daughters. And I said, I have to be able to hold my kids. That's it. That's all I care about. And I remember him, and obviously, I mean, it was really hard. You know, he cried, I cried, whatever. And I remember him saying, I will make sure that that happens, you know. And then the next day, he comes in my room, and he sits down with me, and he says, hey, Jason, your kids are here to see you. Hmm. And this might be uh, four or five days after losing my arms. And him saying, I'm going to bring the kids into your room. And I said, no, you're not. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I do not want my kids to see me hooked up to all these machines, no arms, uh, heart monitors, tubes hanging out of my arms, feeding tube. I mean, I was hooked up to all kinds of stuff. And I said, I want to go to the waiting room. And Dr. Guy's saying, dude, there's no way I can get you in the waiting room unless I unhooked you from all this stuff. And me telling him, unhook me like I want to go to the waiting room I want to hold my kids out there I want it to be as close to normal as it can be uh and and him me talking him into that and him unhooking feeding tubes and all that stuff and me remembering what that feels like to unhook a feeding tube and pull it out of your stomach um and I went to the waiting room that day and I held my kids for the first time five or six days after losing two arms. And I had that peace uh, that went through my mind, through my body that was, everything's going to be okay. I don't know how, but it's all going to work out. And I just remember having that peace of knowing that God would provide one way or another. And, And not knowing how, but just trusting that that he would make it work. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. hard to do. 
So, Jason, I, I need to ask you this. I don't know if you've ever been asked this question. I've never asked it. But you, you mentioned a sense of peace. And I experienced that um, when I was going through my post-traumatic s- stress storm, truly. There, there was a point in time, you know, live or die, and I, I was really washed over with peace. And it was true faith. But can you describe a little bit more details to the people that have never felt that? But you, you were in a position, maybe you're questioning, you know, whether you're going to live or die. You, you're focusing on your daughters. But for those that are curious, and I am too, be, you know, with your feelings on this, when you say a sense of peace, can you unpack that a little bit more? Because and anyway, just tell us in your words what that was. Yeah, I mean, I think that piece was that um, I always, I had both my parents growing up, mom and dad in the same house, married, you know what I mean? And I know how important it was to me to have a dad and a mom in my life. And I know some people don't have that, unfortunately, but I knew what that was like. And I knew that my that my girls deserved to have a dad. Mm-hmm. And have a dad, um, whatever that looked like for me, being a dad was, you know, walking them down an aisle one day or, or playing softball with them or, or even just holding their hands across the street or, or whatever that was. And I knew, like, the peace that I got, I knew I could have died that day pretty easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't. So I knew that my life was spared for a reason. And even if that reason was just to be a dad and not be able to ever do anything for myself again, I I knew that there was a reason and I had that peace that went through my, that went through my body and my mind that, um, you know, life's not about me anymore. It's about my my kids. And I don't get to talk about my son as, as often. And I will later, I have three kids now, but at the time I just had the two. Um, and did I know that my wife would stay with me? No, not really. I mean, I'd always, I knew that when I married my wife, that she was a, uh, a very big Christian, uh, doesn't believe in divorce, doesn't believe, you know, when she said, I do, she meant that all those words you say when you get married. Um, but I really didn't know. Uh, you know, Jenny was 27 when I got hurt and literally the easiest thing for, for her to have done is wash her hands and say, I don't want this lifestyle and leave. I mean, that would have been the easiest thing and she didn't and she still hadn't. Now it's too late. She can't now, but, (laughs) uh, but she, you know, even at that moment, I didn't know what that looked like probably as much, but I knew that I had these two little girls that I that I had to raise and I had to still be a dad. And I just think that that was the piece that I felt was my life was spared. So yeah. what, wait, what, what do we do now? You okay. know, like what's the step? Well, your determination, and I can't wait to share this other part and to to really unpack that. So you were told that you're going to be in the hospital for months, which is not uncommon for patients that have been burned, you know, two, three, four months, then extensive rehab. Your story becomes, I mean, it's amazing to this point, 
But you get out of the hospital in, was it 12 days? Yep. So your determination. So um, I would love for you to sort of unpack your your grit, your hard work, your determination about, I'm not staying. I'm ready to get out. And what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I mean, I remember telling Dr. Guy that months was not an option. And uh, I just held my kids for the first time. So I knew that uh, I reached my first go already. Uh, and, and then I remember him, me just telling him, like, you know, Dr. Guy, what do I have to do to get out of the hospital? And, and him, and, and I don't want people to think that he didn't believe I could get out either. I think that he was kind of, well, if anybody can do it, he might be able to do it, but it, probably not. You know what I mean? And I just remember saying, you got to tell me what I got to do. And then every single day I worked towards those goals that I had to do to get out. Um, 12 days from losing my hand, Dr. Guy, not 12 days after I woke up, but like literally from March 1st. So this was March 12th or 13th or whatever date it was, uh, 12 days after losing my hands, Dr. Guy walks in the room and I remember him sitting down next to me and, and him saying, uh, you know, Jason, I never imagined I would ever tell you this, but if your wife and your mother are willing to become a nurse at home, I'm going to let you go home. And, you know, I had skin graft from both legs to cover my right arm, still wrapped up. And uh, so, so long and short, I did everything that I had to do in 12 days. And I was released from the hospital and came back to uh, Owensboro, Kentucky. And I think everybody was shocked. I think I, I was probably shocked too, you know what I mean? But I was, I, was, I worked really, really hard to get to that point. And, and you know, talking about healthcare too, unfortunately I've been around a lot of hospitals that, uh, that you're treated like a number uh, more than a person. And I was never treated like that at Vanderbilt. Um, my dad's doctor is at Centennial Hospital, my dad's family doctor. Uh, everybody I've ever met at Centennial Hospital has been the same. Uh, they give you time to walk in and say, how's life going, right? Not, it's not always just, this is what's wrong with you, this is what we gotta do, I'll see you later, I gotta go to another patient. Yeah. It was, I remember Dr. Guy coming in my room and watching a NASCAR race with me on a Sunday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Uh, and I know they can't do that all the time. I understand that, but it's the little things of just asking, how are you doing? Yeah. Or you you look good. You're doing this. Uh, you know, for, for 30 minutes, you're talking about life. And then for five minutes, it's okay. I had to amputate. I had to do this. I had to do that. The medical stuff. Yeah. You got 30 minutes of, a relationship and then five minutes of uh textbook stuff and that means a lot yeah i mean you know i'm going on 16 years and i still the nurses follow me on facebook i still go to every time i go to nashville i go by and, and give me a hug from them i got their cell phone numbers um i, I mean we have a 
you know, and I tell people all the time, like all those doctors and nurses that I had at that moment, they have a very big special place in my heart. You know what I mean? And, of course. Um, and, and, and I think it goes both ways. They were inspired by me, but I was inspired by them. Yeah. You know, I remember when Dr. Guy told me that I could be sent home, he said, I want to be the one to roll you down to the car in a wheelchair. Like, okay. So he comes in my room and Vanderbilt burning is an L shape. And I was in the very, very back. And I remember him rolling me. And when I went around the corner, every doctor, nurse, and resident that had ever been back there working on me, I mean, 20, 30 people were on both sides of the hallway, clapping, crying, hugging me. And, and I, that was that moment that I didn't even realize that I was inspiring them and showing them what I could do because I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it for myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't trying to get attention and I wasn't trying to inspire them. I just wanted to live my life the way I wanted to live my life and it inspired them by doing that. And when I went uh, down that hallway and I seen that, man, that was... I mean, that was very touching. You know what I mean? I mean, I cried. Dr. Guy cried. I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was, I mean, it was amazing. Man, Jason, that is incredible. I want to, man, your story, there, there's so much depth to that. And I want to ask you when you get out. Okay, in changing gears, I want to go back to another funny story. So you get out, and is your buddy's name Sam? Yep. Okay. So, you know, you're you're adapting back to life. You are a huge outdoors person. You love it, and uh, so you want to go back to life as normal. And you and Sam go on an adventure, uh, turkey hunting. Share that with us. It's a great story. So it was just a month after my accident. Uh, I had became really good friends with Dr. Guy. I had his cell phone number. And I remember didn't have prosthetics at the time. And I was starting to learn how to, uh, well, I went through Hobby Lobby stories. I figured out real quick how to put my own clothes on. <laughs> I was starting to really try to figure out how to live life and do some of the things I needed to do. Um, and... I called, Sam called me, he's like, let's go turkey hunting. And I was like, dude, I can't go turkey hunting. He's like, how am I going to do that? And uh, he said, I think I got it figured out. And I was like, well, let me call Dr. Guy. So I remember texting Dr. Guy and saying, hey, uh, my buddies want to go turkey hunting, and I want to know if, if I can go. And it was a long pause. And he texts back, and he said, um, I don't know. And I said, and then he wrote back, he said, why do you think you cannot do it? And I said, well, I'm really just worried about a tick getting inside my wound and you having to amputate more off. And he got to laughing and he said, uh, just make sure you spray off really good. And I was like, cool, so I'm good to go. So I called Sam and, uh, and this is just the kind of people that's, you know, has been in my life, but I call Sam and I tell him, I was like, hey, Dr. Guy says I can go. Uh, I'm going to come up and spend the night with you. But I said, I want you to know 
I still can't use the bathroom on my own, right? Like, it's very embarrassing to have somebody have to help you, and especially a, a friend or another guy or whatever. And he wrote, he wrote, wrote me back, texted me back, and he's like, man, I'll do whatever I got to do to help you. You know, like, you're, you're like a brother to me. He's like, come on. So I went to, I went to uh, Morgantown, stayed the night with Sam, and, and in my mind, I was thinking that I'm just going to sit next to him and watch him kill a turkey. Okay. And I'm fine with it. So he, he comes, and, and we're sitting in his living room floor, and he lays this shotgun in my lap, and he says, you're hunting tomorrow. And I was like, how's that going to happen? And he said, I think I got it figured out. So he took the two screws out of the belly shotgun, put a ratchet strap on it, strapped it to my shoulder. He had a tripod on the front with a radiator hose clamp and a string from trigger to my mouth. And I was like, this is dangerous. And uh, so he gets to laughing. He's like, I think we can do it. So as I was sitting in his living room floor, I was dry firing it, you know what I mean? Just to see if I could pull the trigger. And I could. So the next day, and I don't tell everybody this story, but the next day, I bet I shot at six or seven turkeys and had no success. Uh, but I finally got an opportunity to shoot at a turkey and I, and I harvested it. Uh, and, and that was one of the things that I would have never imagined that was going to happen, but it did. And it was just one of them things. And there's so many stories I could talk for hours about not really knowing if that was going to happen and it happened. And it was like, man, I did that. What's next? You know what I mean? And, and I think that's how I've always lived my life is, uh, throw something throw an opportunity at me, throw a challenge at me. Uh, once I figure it out and I succeed on that, I like what's next. You know what I mean? Like, let's do it. Let's keep going. And, and 16 years ago when I got hurt still today, I'm still that person. I'm still that person that says what's next. Let's, let's do it. You know? And, um, and, and kind of to go back, it's funny because I told you that I thought my grandfather was the first person to ever lose an arm. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was the second. I remember telling my wife that I wanted to be the best upper limb prosthetic user in the world. That was my goal. And I thought it was going to be really easy because I thought I was the only one in the world like this. Yeah. So, like, can't be that hard. And, and it's funny because... I am very humbled of who I am, the person I am. Uh, I've got to meet a lot of really cool people. Uh, I've got to meet famous people, not famous people, rich people, poor people, like all walks of life, different countries, different cities, the way people are, are born and raised. And I mean, I've seen it all. Yeah. And right now, people tell me that I am the best prosthetic user in the world. And that it's funny because I don't feel like I am because I feel like if you ever think that you're the best, then you quit trying. Okay. And I'm going to quit trying. It's going, you know, it's like Kobe Bryant, you know, he got up at four o'clock in the morning and had a two hour practice before everybody else, you know, came to practice. And he said, I don't remember exact words he said, but he basically said, nobody's going to outwork him. And I can tell you, ain't nobody gonna outwork me. 
so, going to happen. So, Jason, I want to talk. Thank you. That is such a powerful leadership statement that you made. So I want to I want to ask you this question is let's talk about habits for a second, because you could have chosen to have the attitude of being a victim, but you didn't like you're a victor. You're conquering this thing. And I know it's a struggle. And um, walk us through some habits that you have on leading yourself, because that's we talk about this on the podcast. Leading yourself is the most important thing that you'll ever do. You, you're doing that. We want to learn from you. Tell us about your daily habits that you have that keep you sharp, that keep you growing to deal with the next challenge. I, I still feel like, and I know this is a simple, easy question probably, or an easy answer, Um I still feel like it's my kids. I mean, you know, in the mornings when I wake up, when I woke up laying in the bed with no arms, you know, back in 2008, uh, and hear them little feet running down the hallway or, or hearing a laugh or whatever, that I realized that, that those kids still need me. And even though that's such a simple answer, um, that's the way I've always lived my life as my, as my kids still need me. And I want to show my kids and prove to my kids that anything's possible, even in the, in the midst of such a tragedy that there can always be a positive out of it somehow. And I've also been the kind of person that I don't want people to think I, I've never been upset about losing my arms. I've never asked the question of why. I've never, I've never wished that it didn't happen. I'm not the kind of person that lives in the past. It happened, so we got to move forward, right? Um, but those days that I had uh, a bad day, or I was upset, or uh, you know, I tried to do something and I couldn't do it, and it took me longer, and I still remember how to do it with with real hands, and it's so much easier and faster. But when I got upset, I didn't take it out on my family. I went outside and I kicked rocks. If I had to cuss for a minute, I went outside and I cussed for a minute, kicked rocks. But then whenever I came back in the door, I was I was a different I was uh I was the the dad, the person that I wanted to be. Man, there's a lot to what you just said, Jason, that I I want to pause and just kind of kind of share a couple of insights so you know you mentioned and I was going to ask you this question how do you handle a bad day and when you said that you understand that you can't take it out on those that you love that is a powerful statement and you find a release mechanism and you go outside and you do whatever it is you kick rocks you you know drive around on your property whatever it is that is an important element because I think it is so easy for us to take out our frustrations on those closest to us. And that is not a healthy habit. And for you to share that, that is powerful. And um, yeah, it is because, you know, every day we're faced with challenges and we're, we're, we're faced with struggles. And I appreciate you certainly uh, unpacking that at all. So um, this journey... And you, and you also mentioned another thing. You, you talked about you would not change it, and you never asked God why. And I asked you the question, and you can unpack it a little bit if, if you want to, 
is if you had a chance to go back to the day and you could choose not to get hurt or to get hurt, knowing what you know now, what would you choose? I wouldn't have changed what happened. And and I feel like sometimes when I tell people that, uh, they think, and I'm sure we're going to get into this later, but some of the opportunities I've had has been really, really cool. You know, I've been on on TV shows and and uh, in the public eye. Uh, some people around here say I'm a celebrity, but I don't feel like I'm a celebrity. But I think sometimes people think, oh, well, you're just saying that because you had an opportunity of being on Hawaii Five-0 or whatever, you know what I mean? And that's not it at all. I've learned a lot about life. I've learned a lot about myself. Um, I, I feel like when I worked as a, in the construction field, I enjoyed working with my dad and doing stuff with my dad. But I woke up in the mornings, I went to work, uh, and then I just went home because that's what I was supposed to do is make a living for my family. Uh, and whatever I had to do, I had to do to make a living for my family. But now, I feel like I have a purpose. Every day I wake up, I feel like there's a purpose for my life. I feel like there's a reason uh, that I do what I do. Um, and, and I don't, I would not change that for anything because I love doing what I do. I love helping people. I love sharing my story. I love encouraging people. I told somebody one day, if I could be the next Taylor Swift and everybody know who Jason Coger is, I would absolutely love that because the reason they would know who I am is for the positivity and them learning that life sometimes doesn't go as planned, but that you can overcome it. Just like I told you in my neighborhood, when you see somebody in, in a bind and you see an old person trying to mow their grass and you can tell that's really hard on them, why wouldn't you stop and try to help a stranger out? And I think that's where our world is now is it's all about me and what I can do for myself and how I can benefit myself. And it shouldn't be like that. I think that that's why our country is in the shape that it's in now because nobody wants to do nothing for somebody else. They just don't want to anymore. And I'm totally different because if I can pull over and help somebody and not get a dime out of it, it helps me more than what they think and about any amount of money I can get. And now I get that opportunity to reach out to new amputees and meet people that's lost limbs uh, and be that encouragement. I just talked to a guy the other day, uh, a 14-year-old kid that lost limbs, and his dad called me yesterday and said, hey, I want you to take my son underneath your wings. And I don't even know this kid, right? Don't know the parents, nothing. That's a huge honor for me to to get asked to do that. And, you know, and, and he basically was like, what would I owe you to be that person to my son? And I'm like, man, there's no amount of money that you can pay me that makes me feel any better than just doing it for the reasons I want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, Wish there was a lot more people out there like that because uh, people just, you know, it's all about that 
dollar they can make and and the popularity or the Facebook likes they can get. And you can't take none of that with you when you die. That is so inspiring for you to be able to share. And that really is the the motto of healthcare providers, right? You know, we're wanting to serve and, you know, we're putting others before ourselves. And um, there's so many lessons in that. And for you to do that, I know you've added value to so many people and you're making the world a better place and you're inspiring all of us, which is absolutely amazing. Do you mind for those that are joining on video to kind of show you know, what it is, where your uh, prosthetics are and how you use them. And just to kind of like a, you know, a show and tell you're drinking from, you know, a, a Coke bottle right now. And it's pretty amazing. So would love for you to take the opportunity to, to kind of show off, you know, how you use uh, your, your hands. And by the way, uh, you had said you have bionic hands. Is it, is it true that you are the first recipient of two bionic hands in the world? I was. Uh, I have been five times now. I was in 2008. That's when uh, myoelectric multi-articulating hands came out was in 2008. And I was the first bilateral to ever have them. And then uh, we're on the fifth generation hand now. So I've been the first person in the world five times. Uh, I get to work with the engineers and, and some of the uh, top people in the company, and I think they value my opinion. Uh, um, I mean, they call me they call me from Iceland and, and uh, Scotland a lot, and I get to tell them what I think, and I, I think they value my opinion um, in a big way, which is awesome. Um, so I got I got body pirate stuff too, which. These have been around since uh, Civil War days. Okay. And basically, they're rubber bands, keep it closed, and then you basically are just pulling a cable. So I got a strap that goes around my back. So when I move my right shoulder, it's pulling my left uh, hook. And then this one opens this one. Uh, rubber bands keep it closed. And it's pretty funny. So I don't know if you can tell that I got green rubber bands. The more rubber bands you have, the tighter it closes. Uh, they make a amputee rubber band okay. that is really thick, uh, and they are not super expensive, but they're expensive. But these green bands are sheet castration bands, <laughs> and they last a lot longer. And you can buy like two hundred of them for like three bucks on Amazon. So I've learned a lot. This is uh, awesome. <laughs> this it has a button, so in my opinion has the best wrist uh that you can possibly get it's a four function wrist made by texas assistive so basically when i hold this button down i can rotate my hook you know and lock it in place wherever i want it it also has a button here that whenever i push against something it'll flex gets to your body a little uh closer and and you can rotate it so uh, that's really neat. Um, and then I have the, and I just told you a minute ago, I actually broke my, you break stuff all the time when you're active. And uh, I have the multi-articulating hand, and I actually broke the finger yesterday. So the finger don't work, the thumb, 
So they, uh, and I just seen UPS walk across the front door. So my thumb came in today, so I'll replace it in a little bit. <laughs> but basically, this is my book, but I'll zoom in where you see my bionic hands. So it's a multi-articulating hand. And, and basically, there's my name right there, Jason Coger. If you, um, if you Google my name, you will find all kinds of videos and stuff on how I use my myelectrics. So uh, somebody can Google that. I'm on so on social media stuff. Uh, people can follow me on social media. And really, I like when people follow me because they ask me questions. I want people to ask me questions. And I want to see that whenever I get in front of people, whether it's a podcast or a speech, and the day that it airs, and I get a lot of likes or a lot of follows, I know that I'm doing my job. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know I'm, and you never know who may need me later in life. I've met a lot of people that 10 years after I met them, they had a loved one lose a limb. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It just kind of blows my mind that, or they know somebody lost a limb and, and they help get them in touch with me. So it's always really good to share my story not to be famous and not to get so many Facebook friends or likes or whatever it is. But the more I share my story, the more people share my story, somebody out there is going to see my story that de that needs me. And I think that's pretty powerful. So anyway, um, I do have a public page on Facebook. I don't usually add a lot of people on my personal page because it doesn't hold very many. So I do a lot of the public stuff. And then Instagram, obviously, and, and all that stuff. But um, the, way, the way my myoelectrics work is I have a sensor that lays on my muscle in two spots. So when I feel like I raise my wrist in there, it opens. And when I feel like I lower my wrist, it closes. And then I have wrist rotators, too. So when I co-contract, I can tell the hand to rotate. I mean, it'll keep on going either way. So I can rotate it down or up which, you know, just like this hand, I can't, I can grab the bottle like this, and then I can't get it to my mouth because it's, you know, it's in this position. But if you rotate it down, I can do my myoelectric same, so it makes it easier to hold stuff in different positions. Um, I charge them every night. I have nothing that's adaptive. I didn't want anything adaptive, so what I wear, I can do everything with what I wear. Um, there's really nothing that I cannot do, uh, except for I cannot cook, clean, or change dirty diapers. <laughs> and pull up your pants now, right? <laughs> I do that now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, Jason, where can we find your book? So, my book, uh, it's on Amazon uh, or... You can uh, go to my website, which is just jasoncoger.com, and the book is on my website as well, but it, it's called Handed a Greater Purpose uh, by Jason Coger, and I thought of that is uh, exactly kind of what we've been talking about without even saying it, is that I, I truly feel like I've been handed a greater purpose in my life than I, than I did before 2008, and that's why I named the book Handed a Greater Purpose, and um, so anyway, 
But yep, jasoncoger.com, Amazon. Um, one thing I've never asked anybody to do that I need to, to start telling people is if they get the book, they like the book, I would love for them to go on Amazon, even if they get it off my website or if they get it from me personally, uh, I would love for people to go to Amazon and give me a review. I've never asked anybody to do it. I might not have any reviews on there. I don't know because I've never asked, but I would love to get uh, reviews. Well, I'm going to add to that is that I understand how the reviews are with you know the book that I wrote. So it's a big deal. And uh, so everyone that's listening to this, please order the book. Go and review it. It is a big deal for an author because we need that sense of like what we did. It's a lot of work to write a book. You know that. It's it's painful. It's grueling. And um, that that certainly does make a difference. So everybody, please rate that. And uh, we will help you in any way. You're, it's amazing of what you've been able to share with us. And I wish I could just spend the whole day asking you more questions, but there's just one more that I want to ask you is, you know, with, you know, where you are right now, you have grown immensely. You are making a difference. And what's next for you? You know, people ask me that all the time, and, and I've actually just, I uh, had the opportunity, um, I tell people I do a lot of public speaking now, and that's the only class I failed in, in college was public speaking. <laughs> um, I just got asked to be a part of Team Never Quit, which is uh, Marcus Luttrell has his own podcast. I've been on his podcast. Uh, he personally, him and his wife, pick who they want to be involved with their speaking bureau, and I was one of them. And people that don't know Marcus Luttrell, uh, he was the one that they did the movie uh, Lone Survivor uh, with Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg actually played the part of Marcus Luttrell based on a true story. So uh, I'm hoping that, that that's going to share my story more and get in front of more people. And, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I always leave the door wide open, and then whenever I get an opportunity, I, I see what that opportunity is, and I try to always go for it. Um, I've done a lot more speeches this year this year than I've done last year, and more than I did the year before that. So I feel like my story's always growing. Um, you know, one thing I didn't talk about my book is um, I did not write a book for profit. Um, obviously. I want to get my money back out of it. I, f I feel like that's only fair. But once it is profitable, and I'm really close to being profitable on my book, uh, I put that money into its own little spot. And from time to time, if I meet somebody that uh, has gone through an amputation and they want to spend a weekend with me, then I use that money to fly them to me or to fly me to them and spend a weekend with them or a week or whatever they need. Um, I've been involved in a lot of different foundations. It's not always just about amputee stuff, but long and short, I use that money on my book to help others or to do really cool things. Um, I don't ever tell anybody that it goes to a specific foundation. It's just when something touches my heart, that's, I try, I have a, a way to be able to do what I want to do with that. Um, so that, that's why I wrote my book. I also wrote my book to give, uh, to give people an inspiration and understand that 
they can get through what they've been through, um, but it, it definitely takes uh, faith. I mean, I tell people that all the time. I'm not a preacher. Uh, I don't care what religion you are. Um, it doesn't matter. I feel like that we all have have one guide and we're all going to go the same place. Hopefully, we all go the same place. And I think you just got to be right with with your heart. And um, hopefully, we see each other upstairs. You know what I mean? That's I mean that's ultimately the goal. And I tell people that as well. It's like you know, do I, people's ask me if I ever had a fear of dying, and um, and I don't. You know, I, I feel like uh, I know where I'm going. Uh, I feel like I've done what I'm supposed to do personally. Um, I do go to church, but even the way I feel is I feel like I do um, what God wants me to do. And ultimately, um, I feel like I, I'm definitely going to heaven. So when that time comes, it, it's, it's the time to go. And I don't know. That's just who I am, I guess. Well, Jason, we appreciate your time really you've added so much value to us and uh, best of luck in your journey you you certainly have made this an amazing memorable experience for all of the listeners and me so once again thank you so much absolutely thank you for having me and sharing my story and people if they get onto my website jasoncoker.com and they email me it goes straight to me i don't have agents i don't have people that take care of all my stuff. It's all me. Social media, same way. Uh, when people reach out to me and they need something, um, I get back with them pretty quick uh, because that's just who I am. But it's also nice to to get that encouragement. And, I, and I'll leave you with this too. I feel like no matter what profession you're in, a pat on the back goes a long way. Um, you know, telling somebody that they're doing a great job and that you appreciate them as an employee or as an employer or uh, a nurse taking care of me just to tell them thank you uh, means a lot. I am so grateful that you were able to join us today. Please share this episode with others and give it a five-star review. Until next time, remember, be intentional about your leadership journey. And remember that you are the most important person that you will ever lead.